Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Uh, we're, we're excited to, to be able to, to be with you this morning. I want to share a little bit of our testimony. I'll have to give you the real quick version today of, of the story that kind of the the reason that the first book that I wrote was called Standing Strong in the Storm. We've been through a lot of storms in our life. And, and I know that many of you, most all of us have actually been through storms. Many of you have been through a lot of things. But the Lord taught us some incredible lessons in that. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. By the way, uh, in the early service this morning, we lit the first Campbell Campbell. <laughs> candle uh, of, of the Advent season, and that one represents hope. And so I want you to know today that what this message is going to bring to you, well, I, call, I said the first service is your hope tank is getting ready to get full and topped off today. So if you need hope, keep your, keep your attention going here because I know that God is going to build your hope today. But anyway, real quick, our testimony, we've been through a lot of adversity uh, I'll condense it more than I did the first service this, this morning. But uh, after eight years of infertility, our first child was born, and we were super excited to be able to, to have our child. And a couple of hours after he was born, we got some terrible news that he was born with five heart defects. His first heart surgery was when he was seven days old. His second major open heart correction, which was incredibly dangerous, incredibly complex, uh, and very few heart surgeons, pediatric heart surgeons in the country could even have performed it. That happened when he was 17 months old. So we had two open heart surgeries by the time he was 17 months old. Uh, a year after that, Nancy almost died with an autoimmune disease uh, that, that took years to overcome. And so she literally, the, the, the doctor said that by the time they got her to the hospital, if we had been 20 minutes later, she would have died in the car. And so they, it was six months before they would even say they thought she would probably survive. And they said, if you do survive at all, you're going to be on tons of medication just to stay alive for the rest of your life and all those kind of things. And so anyway, uh, then Colton had his third open heart surgery when he was eight years old. And nine months after that, we boarded a plane to fly to China to adopt a baby girl at the Lord's direction. He prompted us to do that. And so we, we were in China and we were, they placed our little daughter, Anna Grace, in our arms two weeks after her first birthday. She had just turned one. And so we were so excited to have Anna Grace as our little daughter that we knew that God had, had planned for us. But 30 days after we got back to the United States, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so she went through an, a 12-hour emergency brain surgery that they didn't think she would survive. And then uh, over a year of chemotherapy and radiation at St. Jude, all the stuff with that, they said she had less than a 15% chance, 15% chance of even living. And even if she did live, she would probably not be able to maybe walk, talk, feed herself, any of that kind of stuff or whatever was what the doctor said. That was the, the medical perspective of that. And so... Three, uh, after that happened, Colton had three more open heart surgeries, two of which were in the same week. I mean, do you know anybody that's had two open heart surgeries in the same week? That all happened. He had six open heart surgeries by the time he was 17 years old. And so we navigated that. A year ago, a couple of weeks ago, it was, my, it was the one year anniversary of a massive heart attack that almost killed me. And uh, they almost lost me twice that night. 
And so, uh, and then three months after that, I was diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. And so anyhow, all of the things that we just talked, that I just told you about happened while we were in ministry full time pastoring people. And the, and about 80% of it happened in the last 25 years while I was the lead pastor at Cornerstone church in South Haven. And so one of the biggest miracles in our life was that anything ever happened at Cornerstone because I was so distracted constantly just fighting for the life of somebody in my family, but God did bless us. And we grew into a multi-site. We planted a campus in Tupelo that, that exploded with growth. And so God did bless that. But so all of that happened while we were going, you know, while we were in ministry, trying to fulfill God's call on our life, which obviously made me have some unanswered questions in my life about why the Lord brought us through all of that. But anyway, uh, the good news is that, uh, that Colton, who was probably not supposed to make it and Anna Grace, who was definitely not supposed to make it. Colton is now 30 years old and very, very healthy. Anna Grace is now 22 years old. This is Colton and Anna at Thanksgiving. And so, uh, so they're extremely healthy and great and God has just blessed them so much. They're just incredibly wonderful people. And, and so, you know, everything that they thought they would never be able to do, they're living wonderfully normal lives. And and so, uh, we're excited about that. Nancy is in incredibly great health. She's not hardly on any medication whatsoever that they said she would have to be on to keep her alive for the rest of her life. God's healing flowed in her life. God's healing flowed in their lives in a powerful way. And my cardiologist basically almost used the, the, the M word, the miracle. He, he said, after they diagnosed me after the heart attack and after they put in five cardiac stents, he basically said, you don't have any, you have zero damage to your heart. Your heart is functioning perfectly. And he said, I can't believe it. And so I said, well, there's another great physician that's upstairs that can do, you know, even more than you can do. And so... Uh, the brain aneurysms are small and very low risk, but if you'd like to add that to your prayer, li- prayer list, I would appreciate that too. Uh, we would love for those to be totally gone. Uh, anyway, so in scripture, many times God allows a storm to prepare his people for something greater on the other side of that storm. And so I want you to turn with me in the gospel of Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be looking at a text today that God has used extensively. This has been one of my favorite passages for like a dozen years now. He has used this greatly to bless us, to encourage us, to help us to navigate the storms of life. And that's why I want to share it with you today. And so Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, let's read together. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, 
walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This text follows immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. And so it's full of treasures of truth, too much for one message, too much for a whole sermon series. Uh, actually, uh, the, uh, the 80% to 90% of this book is a very deep dive into this text and storm stories of the scripture that have helped us to not only survive in our times of storm, but to actually thrive in the middle of them. And so that's what the purpose of the book is, is to encourage people and to equip people to navigate adversity in alignment with God's plan so that they come through it stronger on the other side and not weaker and come through it better on the other side and not bitter. And so that's the purpose uh, of the book. And we're getting exciting. Within, within days of the book's release, we started getting exciting testimonies from people who have been greatly impacted. And so that's what we're believing that God has called us to in this new season of ministry. By the way, too, um, I, uh, I also have a, a website. I think I may have sent the QR code. I don't know if I sent that or not. I think I did. But uh, I, we do, I do a weekly devotional blog to encourage people and to basically uh, build people's faith. And so if you'd like to sign up for that, you can get that on my website. It's gregdavisonline.com. And uh, there's a QR code and also one out on the table. Now, let's get into the, let's get into the meat of the message. The first major thought from the text that we read in Matthew 14 is, is uh, the priority of perspective. Everybody say perspective. It's very important how you look at things and what you choose to focus on. And so our focus in this point will be the instruction that Jesus gave his disciples. So the focus is instruction and his instruction was, hey guys, get in the boat, go on to the other side. And so on the surface, it sounds like Jesus was just telling them a simple directive. Hey guys, I'll meet you over there, get in the boat, go on over. But as the scene develops that we just read, it's obvious there is more going on here than what the disciples originally expected. Jesus already knew what this night was going to accomplish in the lives of his disciples, but they had no clue. And in the original language, in the Greek, there is a great little piece of treasure here that I love to share. The, the word in the Greek that's translated as, as get in the boat and go over to the other side, and some translations say cross over to the other side, this comes from a root word in the Greek that means to pierce through something and to go farther. Now, I want you to just think that, just picture that with me just for a second. When you are told to pierce through something, what does that automatically mean? That means there is a barrier there that you're going to have to breach in order to keep going through. And for them, it was the storm. For us, sometimes it can also be adversity and storms of life. And so that, here's the thing. We need to identify our barriers. Have you ever had a barrier in your way that was hindering your growth and your faith? hindering your relationship with God? If, you, if your heart is beating, if you are breathing oxygen, the answer to that is yes. 
Because as human beings, we will always face barriers as we try to grow closer to the Lord and do more for God. And so anyway, we understand that's the way it works, but we need to identify our barriers. One of the things we need to to, uh, understand as well is that God is always calling his people on a journey. His call is for us to grow in our faith. His call is for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to become the very best version of ourselves that he had in mind when he created us. And so his call is always for people to be on a journey. You look all the way through the Bible, you will see over and over and over and over again where God is calling his people to move forward. He's calling his people on a journey. To see, the call of God is never for us just to sit satisfied and stagnate in our faith. That's not God's call. He's always calling us forward. And we got to monitor our mindset to be able to continue to move forward. We can't live with a comfort zone mindset. The disciples were sent into that storm. I'm sure they were probably saying, why did Jesus send us into this storm? He's not even in the boat. And so there have been many times that we felt like we've been sent into storms and didn't understand exactly why the Lord allowed those things to happen. But we've got to monitor our mindset. And so the second major thought is this, the priority of perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Perseverance. The focus for the first idea was the instruction. The focus for this point is the obstruction that hindered their progress, the storm that stood in their way. The wind was blowing against them. They were trying to obey the word of Christ by going over to the other side, but the wind was blowing against them. So many times in life, we find that when we are walking the pathway and trying to grow in God, trying to follow his will, there will be some adversity. There will be some wind that will blow against us, but we have to understand that that is not just, that's not like totally unusual. It actually happens a lot. We all go through storms in life, every one of us. But some people are ruined by their storms while others are refined by their storms. Some people come through their storm defeated and destroyed. Other people come through their storm in a much higher level of faith than they ever were in their life. So we are the ones that determine what we're going to happen in our storm. Because how we navigate adversity will determine whether or not we are ruined or whether or not we are refined. So we have to monitor our mindset and and keep things moving, keep our eyes on the Lord. All right, second major major idea is the priority uh, of, of perseverance. We're going through storms. We were talking about that already. We don't like it when the winds blow against us, but facing resistance and obstructions is normal. We don't like it, but many times God uses adversity to build our faith and our spiritual strength. All right, now, question. How many of you have ever in your life at least one time been to a gym and lifted weights? Raise your hand. Okay? All right. Many of you. All right. Uh, How many of you know someone who has ever been to a gym and lifted weights? Okay? How many of you have ever heard of a gym and people lifting weights. Okay. All right. Thing about it is, here's the principle that I'm, that I'm talking about here. When we're in the gym, when we overcome the resistance of the weights, in other words, the weight is coming against us. When we push up and overcome that resistance the right way, 
over and over and over again, what happens? We get stronger and stronger and stronger. And our capacity to overcome the resistance of those weights gets higher and higher and higher. Now, life in many ways is like the gym. In life, when we overcome the resistance of adversity over and over and over again the right way so that we avoid injury, when we overcome the adversities of our life over and over and over the right way, what happens? We get stronger and stronger and stronger and our capacity to overcome things gets higher and higher and higher. That is why the Lord allows these things. We have to commit to never quit. Matter of fact, let's all say that. It sounds a little poetic. Say it with me. Commit to never quit. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He overcame the resistance of the world, the adversity of the world. And because he is our Lord and he is our leader, he can empower us to overcome the things that come against us in life as well. The disciples had been struggling probably eight to 10 hours battling against that storm by the time Jesus walked out there. I mean, uh, it, it was, it was imagine, imagine being out there for hours and hours and hours and hours. I mean, uh, the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. I'm waiting for my Gilligan fans to start laughing now. If not for the power of the Son of God, the disciples would be lost. I mean, so, you know, so, but anyway, they were battling this storm for eight to 10 hours, according to the scripture text there, as far as tells us when they actually got in the boat and when Jesus actually came out to them. So it was a long battle for them fighting for their lives. And then verse 25, which we read says, Jesus appeared to them and he came to them walking on the stormy seas. One of the things that that taught me years ago, and the Lord impacted my life with this, when I was reading this text, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, one of the things you need to understand is that there is nothing that can stop, nothing can stop Jesus from coming to the aid of his people during their storm. If he has to walk on stormy waves to get to you in the middle of your storm, nothing can stop him from coming to the aid of his people. If he has to totally nullify the laws of nature and walk on water, then nothing can stop him from coming to the aid of his people. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're in the middle of a storm, if you're going through an adversity right now, if you're wondering if you're going to make it, nothing can stop him from coming to you. So keep your eyes on the Lord when he's walking to you because he's on his way. And so the second thing I want to talk about here for a second is identifying the greatest threat. What was their greatest threat? Their greatest threat was not the wind. Now, it was scary, and it was causing the waves, but the greatest threat was not the wind. The greatest threat was the waves that were crashing against the side of their boat because if enough water got inside that boat, they would sink, and we know that they were close to the middle of the lake already, which means they could not swim back to shore. They knew. They knew. If this boat sinks, we're dead. And so the greatest threat that they were facing was those crashing waves against the side of the boat. 
And the Holy Spirit showed me something else years ago in this. Jesus came walking to them. When he came walking to them, he was walking on their greatest threat, demonstrating that what they were scared of was under his feet. Anything that scares you to death is under the feet of Christ. It's under his authority. He can walk all over anything that you think is going to take you out. And so he came to them walking on their greatest threat, demonstrating his total dominance, total dominance over everything they were scared of. We're never gonna face anything in life that's not under his feet. There will never be anything you face that Jesus can't master. He can master anything that ever comes against you. And I wanna encourage you, I want your hope tank to get so full this morning that it overflows on somebody else today. He came walking on their greatest threat. Here's the thing that we need to understand too. Boats don't sink because water crashes against the side of them. Boats only sink when too much gets inside. The Lord showed us this many, many years ago, that it's more important what we allow to happen inside of us than it is what happens to us. Nancy and I have met people and seen people in hospital waiting rooms with their children facing the same life-threatening things that our kids were facing. And we have seen people get totally destroyed and totally ruined because they let it get inside of them to the extent that they were angry with God and they chunked their faith and they just let the devil begin to plant seeds in their mind. And so let me tell you something. The waves that are crashing against you, don't let them get inside. Don't let it get inside to where that all of a sudden you're angry with God and shaking your fist at God and you're letting the unanswered questions rule your life. Don't do that. Keep your eyes on the Lord in the time of storm. Now, how can we do that? How can we monitor our mindset? I'm glad you asked. Everybody take your cell phone out real quick. Probably the only time you've ever been in church and whoever's on the platform said, Hey guys, take your cell phone out. Well, this is a new day. So <laughs> take your cell phone out and I want you to go to your photos app and choose a picture to look at. Choose a picture. All right, once you have chosen the picture, say, I got it. All right, now I want you to study what is in the picture that you just chose from your photos app as if I was going to give you a quiz, okay? What, what do you, what do you, what's in that picture? I want you to look at it. Look at the center, look at the top, the bottom, the right, the left, look at all the corners, look at the details. I want you to make a mental note of what's in that picture. And I'm going to give you five more seconds to do it. Four, three, two, one. Now, take your two fingers and zoom in on that picture as far as your phone will allow. Here's the question. Everybody, now take your eyes off the picture and look up here. Here's the question. Can you still see everything that's still in that picture? Answer me when I ask you a question. Can you, can you still see everything that's in that picture? No, you can't. Why? Because you have zoomed in on one little aspect of it. This is the key that we learned about how to monitor our mindset. We can't just stay, when a crisis pops up in our life, 
It's our human nature to zoom in on that crisis and focus totally on it. But we can't allow our focus to stay that way. We have to zoom back out. We, stu- we have had times in waiting hospital waiting rooms and outside of operating rooms and all those things where that we had to zoom back out and not just focus on the crisis. We had to look at the big picture of our life. And when we did that, we were reminded that God healed here. He healed this. He healed that. He touched that. He blessed this. He provided that. He protected this. He, when you look, when you zoom back out and look at the whole big picture, gratitude is going to come up in you like a geyser. And all of a sudden you won't just be focused on the crisis. Now I'm not saying ignore the crisis and act like it's not there. I'm just saying you can't stay zoomed in on it. You got to zoom back out and look at the big picture. And when you do, you're going to see God's blessing all over your lives. We began, we began to, we literally started the day that Colton was born. We literally started thanking God that he had two eyes and two ears, and ten, ten, 10 fingers, and 10 toes. We thanked God for everything that was correctly formed in his body. And as we began to thank the Lord for the things that were right, all of a sudden, the negative reports started turning around. The negative reports that made it sound like he wasn't even going to live. They were wondering if he would live in the ambulance to get to Le Bonheur Children's Hospital. And so I'm, I'm just letting you know, zoom back out. And look at the blessing of God. We have to train ourselves to gaze at the blessing and glance at the pain. Gaze at the blessing of God and glance at the pain that you're going through. Third major idea is this, the priority of purpose. Everybody say purpose. The focus of the first point was instruction. The focus of the second idea was Obstruction and the focus of the third is construction. The construction of the faith of those disciples was the whole purpose of this event. You see, when Jesus was walking out on those stormy waves and they thought it was a ghost and they were scared to death and he began to speak to them, one of the first things he said was, Take courage, it is I. Now I know that those of you who are English majors are going, well, that doesn't sound grammatically correct. Uh, it is I, but, but the, the Greek word that's, that's underneath this text translated as it is I is actually ego in me. And it's translated in many other places in the new Testament as I am. Think about that. Jesus was demonstrating his dominance over the laws of nature by walking on water to get to them in their storm. And he literally said out of his mouth, don't be afraid. The great I am is here with you in the middle of your storm. And so he was demonstrating and he was declaring that he's the son of God. And so we need to understand. And I want you to know that the great I am is with you in the middle of your storm. Even if you don't see him yet, he is coming. And he'll be there. And those Jewish boys, as soon as they heard that phrase, I am, I'm sure their, their memories went back to the story of Moses and the burning bush when God said, I am who I am. You tell Pharaoh, I am has sent you. And I'm so glad that in the middle of every storm that we have faced, the great I am has been with us. Jesus came walking to us and I believe that he'll do the same thing for you. Keep your focus on him and not the wind and the waves. And so he said, I am is here. Peter said, 
Peter had a gift that some of us have. Peter's gift was the, always the first one to speak up. How many of you got that? <laughs> You're the first one to speak up. Well, Peter was the first one to speak up and he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. We just read that text. And Jesus said one word, come. That one word was powerful enough to create a miracle. You see, I don't believe that Peter was only walking on water. I believe that he was walking on that word. I believe when, when Jesus gave him that word, he gave him permission to step out of the boat and do the impossible. And I want you to know something. When you go through a storm, you're going to need a word to walk on. You're going to need a word to carry you through that storm. And if you walk on that word, he will carry you through to victory on the other side because that's what we've done over and over again. Our storms started way back before iPads and smartphones. So we were really celebrating whoever invented sticky notes. Remember those sticky notes? We would, we would go to the Lord and get a word for our storm. And the first word he ever gave to us was Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, you know that scripture very well where it says, you know, he says, I have plans for you, plans to give you hope and to give you a future. And so that was our first word to walk on. We wrote that on sticky notes and put it all over our house. We put it on the refrigerator. We put it on the mirror. We put it in the dashboard in the car. We always made sure that our eyes had to focus on the word he gave us to walk on through that storm in our life. And so you're going to need a word to walk on. But I watch this, obedience to the word of Christ put that storm under Peter's feet, not just under Jesus's feet. And when you obey the word that he gives you to walk on in a storm, it will put the storm under your feet and not just under his. He will help you dominate the things around you. Peter got down out of the boat, verse 29 and 30. Peter got down out of the boat, down of the boat walked on the water, came towards Christ. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Peter was walking on the word. And I believe that Jesus gave him supernatural traction to be able to walk on the surface of stormy seas. But when Peter succumbed to distraction, he lost his traction. And I believe that's what the enemy wants to try to do to every one of us. So many times in our lives, the enemy will throw a distraction after distraction after distraction at you because he wants to get you to take your eyes off of Christ and start focusing on everything else around you. And so don't let it happen. Don't lose your traction by falling to distraction. And so anyway, you know, they, uh, they, there's so much treasure in this. I, I, again, I can't share all of it today, but there's a bunch of the book. So Peter fell to distraction, lost his traction, began to sink. And the scripture said in verse 30 and 31, Peter immediately said, Lord, save me. And the scripture said in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. What does that tell you? I believe the Holy Spirit showed me years ago that how did Jesus grab him immediately? Because when Peter lost his focus, he was one step from Christ. I believe that with everything in me. How many times in life 
do we lose our focus when we are one step from the victory that God has prepared for us? The enemy will try harder and harder and harder to distract you when he knows you're getting close to victory. So don't let him do it. Don't let him distract you. Keep your focus on Christ. Keep your eyes on the Lord because you might just be one step from the victory that you've been praying for for years and years and years. A lot of pastors beat up on Peter when they preach this passage. They made it sound like he's just a terrible failure and he lost his focus. But I'm going to show you something. Peter had way more success in this situation than he did failure. He got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. He sank for probably a split second before Jesus pulled him back up. And by the way, is there anybody in this room that's ever been pulled back up out of something that you were sinking into? Had Jesus ever reached down to you when you cried out to him? Has he ever pulled you up out of what you were sinking into? And he pulled him up and then the Bible said they climbed back into the boat. Well, how did they climb back in the boat? Because they walked back to the boat. So, in defense of Peter, to this day in the Olympic sport of water walking, he still has the silver medal. Jesus has the gold, but Peter still has the silver medal in the Olympic sport of water walking, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. So many times we let the devil take our attention to only our failure instead of celebrating the victories that God has already given to us. Don't let it happen. Control that. Monitor your mindset. And, so, and the scripture says, when they got back in the boat, those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, truly, you're the son of God. Why is that important? That is the first time in the gospel of Matthew that Matthew records the disciples actively worshiping Jesus. And it's also the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that he records the disciples declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. The day before, they had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. So why, all of a sudden now, are they worshiping Jesus and declaring his Lordship? I'll tell you why. Been there many times. When he brings you through a storm you never thought you were going to survive, your faith is going to skyrocket to a brand new level and your declaration of his lordship is going to be higher than ever and you're going to worship the one who brought you through. That's what the whole purpose of this storm was about. So, and on the other side, when you read the text, you'll find out that on the other side of their storm, greater things happened than the feeding of the 5,000. Greater things because of the feeding of the 5,000, yes, Jesus was teaching. Yes, there was some prayer, but it was mainly about provision and demonstrating that he, is, he was the son of God. On the other side of that storm, every single person who was brought to Christ was healed and delivered and set free from every demonic possession, from every, every disease and sickness. Their whole lives, the trajectory of their lives were changed. Now, getting a free fish sandwich is a cool thing when Jesus is passing it out, but it, doesn't, it does not compare with having the whole trajectory of your life changed. So what does that mean? I believe that when God brings us through a storm, 
He wants to use us for greater things on the other side of that storm than we've ever done before. So prepare yourself because I believe he wants you. When he brings you through it, he wants to use you to help encourage other people through the storms that they're going through. That's biblical and scriptural. Jesus has the power over every storm that threatens us. So we must trust and obey the Lord even and especially when we don't understand our circumstances. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.